we are about to go higher, further, and faster. What's up, Story Geeks? On today's podcast, we have Marie Claire from the What the Force podcast, and she joins me, Sandra Dimas, and Justin Weaver as we dig deep into Captain Marvel. This is episode five in our special MCU series leading up to Avengers Endgame. Last week, we got a nerd fight for the best MCU film. And coming up next week, we'll offer the reaction to Avengers Endgame. If you want to catch us live, be sure to follow us on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thestorygeeks. And of course, you're going to want to smash that subscribe button to hear all of our MCU episodes. To hear more of our thoughts about Captain Marvel, be sure to go to our blogs and check out what Ashley and Anthony are up to. And you can also share your thoughts with us. We'd love to hear from you. We're over at thestorygeeks.com. While you're there, we'd love it if you become a supporter. If you support the Story Geeks on Patreon, you'll get access to our premium content, including aftercasts and audiobooks. Specifically on today's aftercast, we're going to be talking about what we think Captain Marvel's role will be in Avengers Endgame. So you're going to want to hear that. And we do mention Goose on that aftercast. Be sure to become a premium supporter today so you can unlock access to that premium content right now. Thanks for listening. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. So let's go ahead and dig deep into Captain Marvel. Welcome to the show, Marie Claire. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is is really great. I actually haven't spoken about anything to do with Marvel, even though it is like maybe a second or third love in my world of loves so (laughs) after star wars yeah (laughs) everything's after star wars i think for for many of us (laughs) um well first things first just a quick um vibe like what did you think of captain marvel oh wow uh so captain marvel is is really interesting because it much like captain america happens kind of out of current continuity Mm -hmm. and I really like that. I really like the idea that we can, um, you know, jump around in a non-linear story and set frames for future stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a lot of things it said, and I think that fundamentally it spoke a lot easier to women than mm. it did to men. And you know, you can kind of tell that just by <laughs> the generalistic feedback out there on the internet. But oh. <laughs> I uh, I really liked it. I feel like it had a few kind of stumbling blocks from um, just a story perspective. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, the fact that we got the story uh, allows me to glaze over a lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, Justin, our lone man on this podcast. Did it speak to you? <laughs> yes. I really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife liked it even more. So that may be speaking to exactly what you just said. Um, but uh, she also doesn't love these kinds of movies. So it made oh. me really happy how much she enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I loved the tributes to Stan Lee um, <sighs> in the opening uh, moments and then on the train. Um and yeah, I felt like there were a couple story stumbling moments as well. My biggest complaint about the movie isn't really even that much of a complaint. It's just that from the trailers, I fell in love with the movie uh, from the moments of her getting knocked down and standing back mm. up. And I was looking forward to that the entire movie. And so I was sad when that kind of was a climactic moment uh-huh. and I was just like oh I already saw this I already loved this I wish they had kind of <laughs> saved some of those goods for the movie itself oh. and not kind of given it away to me because those moments are so visually impactful and iconic and wonderful and uh it just didn't pack as much of a punch for me I feel like because I had been looking forward to them the yeah. entire time but you know when I'm complaining about amazing scenes in the movie, <laughs> I, I think the movie was still good. So Yeah, no, I you know what? I enjoyed it too. Um, I think for women especially, we've been waiting for so long for a female-driven film in the MCU, and we finally got it. So I think just the excitement, to kind of build on what you said, Marie-Claire, the excitement of just having it was um, good enough to just have me enjoy the film. And I, I did really 
like it the only thing like my only complaint is that there wasn't enough of like a 90s vibe that I thought we would have seen similar to how we saw in Guardians where it was like mm. very 80s so I thought oh like we, it was in the music but it wasn't so much like in the fashion or too much of what you saw besides like Blockbuster and Radio Shack and I thought just for nostalgia's sake that would have been fun to see but overall I I enjoyed it. That's an interesting comment because with like the shield suits, you know, Mm -hmm. suits are suits to a certain extent. Then you're going to uniforms of the Air Force. And so a lot of the costuming is sort of timeless. Right, right. Yeah, play off to the 80s. Exactly. Yeah, even the people, though, like the surfers and all of that. I mean, I guess wetsuits are wetsuits and bathing suits are bathing suits. But (laughs) but yeah, it would have been uh, nice to maybe see more passengers like in the first scene the chase to see a little bit more of that um but you know that's just me wanting wanting 90s stuff because i like it (laughs) yeah it did i agree with you that it felt like when they pulled in uh sort of that 90s nostalgia it was with big gag moments like Mm -hmm. the blockbuster the radio shack uh the uh internet cafe what is an internet cafe (laughs) Um, you know, Having what is an internet cafe and can you yeah. buy coffee there kind of idea? Like, yeah. you know, it, it was with these uh, larger gag moments because the rest of the setting didn't lend to that. And then the other times that they weren't in the setting, they were in space. And so everything seemed high tech anyways. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, now we're going to go to our next question. Um, so midway through the film, Captain Marvel and Fury they go and visit um, Carol's former wing woman, Marie Rambo, uh, Maria Rambo, and um, it's revealed that the Skrulls are refugees trying to escape Kree oppression. How did you feel about that twist? Like, do you feel like it worked? Let's go with you, Marie Claire. Well, so I do know a little bit about the, like, the Marvel universe in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a reader of comics. I just haven't actually read Captain Marvel. For some reason, I kind of got out of reading comics in the last 10 years, but... I actually knew that the scrolls were bad and I loved the turn of having sort of not to say an ugly alien, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but an ugly alien turn out to be almost like a refugee, you know, and it's it very much had that that feel to it that like on surface, these are still, you know, a populace uh, that needs help and are in peril and i would say it was very apropos to even our times oh yeah definitely so you were saying you knew that the kree were bad no 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 well you knew that the kree were bad because they Mm -hmm. are bad in the future Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i knew both the kree and the scroll like from the comics and the scroll were bad it's Mm -hmm. secret invasion right like that's yeah yeah the idea that they were trying to to give with a flip from from the comics originally Mm -hmm. and I mean, I think I saw it coming a little bit, like they telegraphed it a little bit with uh, maybe how not as evil as they were and kind of how desperate they seemed. Mm. But uh, I I loved it. I thought it was a great way to kind of tell um, a a human story in Mm. some ways. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I I also liked it. I thought it worked. I was also happy that they made that reveal before the climax of the movie. So there was some time for the characters to get on board with that and Mm -hmm. wrestle with, oh, you know, I've been told something wrong and I was believing the wrong thing. Uh, I think that a lot of Marvel uh, MCU fans were anticipating that the scrolls and Secret Invasion would be a pretty primary antagonist to phase four. And so that's a big change that there oh, isn't yeah. going to be, you know, the secret invasion and everything. And that bums me out a little bit. I was getting so excited to be super paranoid about is that person even really that person? And right. who are they anyways? <laughs> and all of that. So um, I'm a little sad that the shapeshifter card doesn't get to mm. be played as much right now. I mean, there could still totally be evil scrolls and, you know, they can still do stuff with that. But I would have uh, been super interested to get some paranoia vibe from some of the movies in the future uh just about even if that person is that person Mm -hmm. um but it it was super interesting and like you were saying kind of a statement i think that resonates still today because that's where racism and prejudice comes Mm -hmm. from just from Mm -hmm. what you're told so if she's being told the scrolls are the bad guys we have to get the scrolls 
and we're taking the um the point of view of Carol mm-hmm. of Veers at that point and we're learning everything right along with her so we just get on board yeah they look evil right, right. they look ugly so they're the, they're the bad guys yeah. so um interesting just to even think about how those kinds of messages yeah have been passed down uh, in our history and our culture and things oh, yeah. like that no definitely and I think that's an excellent point because it is true like it isn't until she until Carol interacts with the scrolls and hears from them and sees their perspective that she understands that what she's been fighting for and what she's been told is the noble thing to do is actually the wrong thing to do um, yeah and I think that's fascinating just thinking about what's happening in our culture and and uh, in our society with how we treat people um, that we don't necessarily know how, like where they're from and what their story is. And yet sometimes they're cast into a certain light and that's perpetuated. And until we actually interact with those people, we won't know like what their motivation is. And for them, their motivation was really to, um, they're refugees, you know, they're, they're trying to escape. Um, I, what you kept mentioning paranoia and it kept making me think of the thing and how brilliant that was where you don't know, are you really who you say you are? So like everyone's freaking out. And even if they are who they say they are, that you still don't trust them. And then you behave based on that lack of trust. And I thought that was just really cool to see unfold. And initially I felt betrayed. I'm like, oh, scrolls, what? Like you're, you're good now? Like I had a hard time <laughs> swallowing that pill. Yeah. Um, because then it seemed almost like now they turned into, um, uh, what is his name from, um, oh, Korg from Thor Ragnarok with that right. type of humor. Um, right. Because yeah, we've like, had it built up that there's such menacing people. Right. I saw an article comparing it to the Mandarin, um, oh, from yeah. Iron Man 3, uh, that this thing has been set up as the villain and the thing mm-hmm. we need to conquer. And then it's just brushed away very quickly. Yep. But um, I feel like in comparison to Iron Man 3, they replace it with a better conflict mm-hmm. than Iron Man 3 did. So Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was very much like that feeling mm-hmm. of all of this paranoia is built up. And, you know, especially with um, the one scroll who was dead and the other guys like consoling him or like, you know, travel well or whatever yeah. he says. And that's scary. Like a scary moment because he's so bad at that point. And you know, Oh man, like he's infiltrated now, um, shield and gosh, this is so scary. And what's going to happen with Coulson. Um, and yet then it just turns and now they're funny and slipping out of a, you know, straw and everything. So it was a little bit of a jarring, um, change. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the moments when they were, we didn't know who was who. That was that was so scary. I loved it. I do have like an interesting kind of thought that just came up, which is a while ago, the MCU was like trying to make mm, genres of movies, but superheroed. Like, uh, you know, let's do the spy film. Let's do the secret invasion, like body snatchers type. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what this was. Like, you know, you don't know who to trust, et cetera. But in the end, they always end up making it a superhero movie. And um, in some ways, that's kind of disappointing, like uh, because you want to see more of that genre rather than maybe the superhero formula played back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And with the Russo brothers in charge of the Avengers, um, I wish they had been put in charge of more movies because uh, I love them in community and they could play (laughs) with genres like none other in that show. So yeah, even in one episode you would see so many different genres and it was just such a fun, a fun watch. Yeah. Like I always Um, wanted the, the scroll like movie to be actually, we're all trapped inside of a house together and there's one scroll, like something Mm. really close and personal and kind of like just, horrifying yeah yeah so i had like a sub point that i actually skipped over but you're bringing it back to me now um i wrote a a short film in grad school about a shapeshifter that was fundamentally that it wasn't a heist but it was just there was one and it was slowly picking off everyone and it was horrifying and awesome and i loved it i never made it or anything but um (laughs) 
I, I think I went in wanting to see my movie. So yeah, yeah. I want to see your movie now. That sounds awesome. Hey, we'll just talk <laughs> to the Reclamation Society yes. about bankrolling Fund that. Fund it. <laughs> so now I'm wondering, because we saw this twist, it reframes the squirrels as being good. You know, they're they're harmless mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but do you think that they are actually good, especially as we look at their actions before the twist is justified? Oh, I think from the view, like from our perspective as the viewer, we are supposed to take them as good. But um, along the journey of the MCU, they have inputted a lot of gray into even our heroes. Mm -hmm. So I think that there is a chance that we could maybe maybe this particular group of scrolls is good, but we might come back and find out, you know, a different group or their culture in general might promote negative behavior in a different light you know Mm. we might get a different version of them but this particular group is just trying to leave yeah yeah and i was kind of thinking the same thing that it was just about survival so some of their actions felt a little more just preserving their own life and trying to get to their family and um almost self-defense so there it does feel like there's a little more gray none of it felt villainous and menacing you know in the new light um and uh, another thing that i was thinking about when reading through these questions was just that they come to a place of greater i don't know if it's self-acceptance or just like confidence in who they are because by the end of the movie they're not taking on human form Mm -hmm. they're staying in their scroll form and i thought just kind of that level of authenticity was a cool pretty underplayed element Mm -hmm. that um, they didn't need to hide anymore. They could be themselves. Yeah, it's actually kind of mirroring Carol's, her journey of not having to um, put up a front anymore or um, really show her value um, because she just knows it already. Which is like fundamentally a heroine's journey. Yeah. Right? Like the internal becoming of who you've always been mm-hmm. but like stepping forward into those shoes oh yeah well for me that twist and thinking about their actions being justified um i i kept struggling with um the scroll trying to um shoot nick fury and also shooting at captain marvel and that's where i was like oh man like that that didn't seem good that that didn't seem justified um because they were in pursuit of her and they were in pursuit of well yeah just really in pursuit of um of her even when um that one was riding with nick fury um versus just trying to escape but then you know i started asking myself like what how far would i go to protect my family and what would i do and so then it, I was kind of like grappling with that. And then I came to terms with, okay, I guess it's justified. But, <laughs> but it was still hard to see them like be so funny after that. It was mm. such a shift. Um, but I, I did like that they were funny. It was just such a stark difference from where they started. Yeah. Um, so one of, one of you guys mentioned um, the formula, Marvel formula. And... They're, they've been sticking so far with this formula where we get to see a true origin story. Um, but we didn't get that with Carol. We just saw part of it through flashbacks. And that's, again, like counter to the standard MCU format. So, Marie, what did you think of that, of not getting that origin story? Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, the heroine's journey story um path or journey used for storytelling actually aligns better this way I think Mm. if you actually you know defragment it and look at it because Mm -hmm. by the time that we've met her she's given up kind of all of the aspects of her femininity and that's a big like that's the big first step in um in the heroine's journey is that like she's trying to be be somebody who doesn't feel emotions and she's trying to be you know this elite warrior right for um or what are they called i forget what they're called (laughs) 
What's the, the Kree Star Force? Yeah, Star Force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like she's trying to be this elite warrior for Star Force, and um, you know her mentor himself is like, "Don't feel emotions. Yeah, you know you shouldn't think about your past. You should just be what we want you to be." And that's like a that is fundamentally, you know, you trying to not be who you truly are is fundamentally what the heroine's journey is all about. Mm-hmm. And stepping into who you truly are. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that happens over the progress of the movie. So the entire story is actually an origin story, but it's an internalized journey of mm-hmm. her accepting both what happened to her in the past and, you know, what she needs to become which is mm-hmm. both, you know, claiming her own power, understanding her role in kind of the galaxy and on Earth, mm-hmm. and also trying to help others by fully claiming her own power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And um, I liked the narrative approach because I feel like the movie's told from the point of view of Carol and Fury. And so we believe what she believes at the beginning. Mm -hmm. She has had her memories tampered with. So we believe that a scroll shot her and Mm her um, mentor. And we believe the scrolls are bad. And then we're experiencing it with Fury where it's like, oh, there's a much bigger universe. Who are these aliens and things like that? So for us to get her origin story with her through her memories, through those experiences, um, I I thought that was a really cool approach, and so we could just be, yeah, on the ride with her mm-hmm. a little differently. Yeah, and I I agree because I I think even though it was counter to the standard origin story of seeing them, um, kind of how we saw Captain America, where he's there in that space as just a human, and then we see, you know, him change into Captain America, I, it wouldn't have worked I think with that model because we need to learn as she learns that um, you know that she did have a history on earth that she was kidnapped you know we need to learn with her we can't know that ahead of ahead of her so you know even though I think that's been some of the complaint that people have said that oh they've broken um, their format or their formula and they haven't no, given formats are meant to be broken <laughs> right right but it's so funny um, how critical the interwebs are with Captain Marvel and what she's expected that what this film is expected to have accomplished uh, when other films in the MCU aren't necessarily that harshly criticized. So I thought that was interesting. And I think we all made really good points to say that it is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so, I, I mean, to, to all of what you said is that, you know, she needed to go on this journey and understand the internal workings of what happened and process it and and come to the truth in in amongst the journey that we see before our eyes and that is like i you know obviously she's not captain marvel until the end right so Mm -hmm. it is her origin story it's just done in such a unique way to show um you know a very internal struggle Mm -hmm. and you can Mm -hmm. actually see that because the main climactic fight is inside of her own brain against the supreme intelligence yeah like that is the climax of the movie is is this fight i know she destroys like you know (laughs) all of the ships the kree sent and stuff like that but that's not the climax the actual struggle is with within her own mind and controlling herself and that's you know standing up to face the doubt and um and words of negativity in her own brain in some ways. Yeah. And I think another good point adding to that is that we need her at full power at the end of this film. So she couldn't have had this long journey to have this standard origin story. And then maybe in the next film, she's full power. Um, we need her to be full power here so that for Endgame, she's yeah. ready. She's ready to go. I mean, And even yeah. just for the accuser's bombing earth we needed her to stop that yes you know so yeah (laughs) yeah and and what's really interesting is that um you know 
men being afraid of female power is like mm. a really key part of this sort of storytelling that like you know von rag or yeah am i looking at the names because i keep on forgetting what their names it's are yon rog i think von rog yeah von rog he he himself is actually afraid of her and mm -hmm. like he's he uses a variety of techniques to control her mm -hmm. like the straight up like thing hooked into the back of her neck to you know oh don't get over emotional you know you're supposed to be this this you're supposed to fit into this mold because we need you yeah and that's that's actually a great point because he does use that as a tactic to say you know emotions get in the way and we see carol struggle with that what do you think of this theme of emotions getting in the way and and not uh, allowing one to be a fit warrior and does the story handle that well? Yeah, you had already mentioned that there was a removing of her femininity. So I was taking that statement by him as um, looking at some of the stereotypes of women being more emotional than men or that, that those emotions make them erratic or unstable um or something to that extent somehow so, weaker yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. um or to your point uncontrollable you know um and so i automatically did not like him because I, <laughs> I i i i have some wonderfully strong women in my life you know i'm a guy that's been blessed by that and so i <laughs> tend to be more on the emotional spectrum <laughs> when it comes to guys and everything. He's actually but crying right now. No, I'm that. not crying right now. This, oh, we, I've never taken advantage okay, of the fact though. that people can't see <laughs> us. We true. can just tell lies about each <laughs> yep. other. No. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I just immediately didn't trust him after that, um, or at least respected him less. Mm. Um, so I don't think it's ever fully said, but I think we're supposed to assume that her emotions are a valid part of her. And I would anticipate that her emotions help drive some of the higher, further, faster mm -hmm. of all of it. Um, yeah. And that if she's not in touch with her emotions, if you know her head's not in the right place, if all these different things, that she wouldn't be as effective as a warrior and as a leader. Um, so yeah, it, it always struck me like a way to continue to lie to her, continue to control her, to continue to continue to make her a prisoner, even in her own mind, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Marie Claire, what do you think? So, hmm. I think that emotionality is something that's quite, this, this will tie into a later uh, conversation I'm sure we're going to have, but emotionality is something that many times is used against women as a negative. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I remember this is like a personal story, but I remember uh, a boss telling me once upon a time that uh, he really hates it when women cry at work, oh. like if they're feeling stressed or whatever. And actually, it, it has something to do with the estrogen that's in our body. Mm. Uh, when we're frustrated or when we are stressed out, we're more likely to cry. Men are more likely to punch things. Mm. And that's where the difference kind of lies fundamentally. So in a way, what was being asked of her was to deny her own femininity and then mm -hmm. to behave in a particular way. And it seemed, at least what they were presenting to us in the story, that her power was driven by her emotions and her passion and her, you know, almost humanity in, in a lot of ways. Like her, we see that at the end when she stands up in her variety of <laughs> aging forms that you know that is what fundamentally is her power is her ability to stand up and overcome it driven by her own passion and his request of her to not feel things and just to be like a cold-blooded killer was you know in some ways very anti-human and also mm. very anti-feminine yeah mm. And I love that she had that ability to continue to stand up, continue to persevere, continue to overcome long before she could shoot photons out of her fists and yeah. long before <laughs> she could fly. So similar to Captain America's journey, that 
she was that person and then she was just given a greater ability to do more good out of who she already is yeah and she was always willing to be a hero like she stepped up without powers to you know fly tandem with Mm -hmm. uh the marvell Marvell, yes (laughs) i was like what is her human name oh i only saw the movie once so i'm trying to go off of that (laughs) me too (laughs) twice so maybe it's burned into my brain i don't know (laughs) that's why you're leading this You know, I I would agree with you, Marie Claire, like that is absolutely a common narrative for women. You know, women are the only ones who get called hysterical. Yeah. And um, it's because of the fact that we're able to express our emotions and tap into that. Um, You know, I think that makes us strong. um, And I think that absolutely what that was a form of control and a form of suppressing um captain marvel's powers by telling her to not um be in tune with her emotions and and to um you know it doesn't mean that you're a weaker fighter but um you also don't want to be filled with blind rage or anything but it it allowed her to respond to what was happening in an authentic way and um you know i think i think of um brene brown and um the power of vulnerability and of expressing ourselves and living wholeheartedly. And like, that's getting into like all of these books that I read and stuff. But I just thought it was really interesting that for Carol, um, that was something that made her strong. And Mm -hmm. it's something that we see in the real world that when we're able to be vulnerable and, and that means emotions, you know, and expressing ourselves in that way, that that actually is a sign of strength and, and emotional resilience even, um, and I liked that. I liked seeing that we see that in some form on the, you know, in, in film. Yeah. And I think she's made stronger through her relationships and her friendships that we mm-hmm. see in the movie. And she has a friend speak truth into her. Yeah. And that's a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Carol Danvers. Can you imagine ever a guy being told, like, don't feel any emotions? Yeah. Like, I'd be I like, just, okay. Like, I can't even imagine. <laughs> no, I like in an MC movie, MCU movie, I can't even mm-hmm. imagine like a guy being like, like, don't feel stuff. Like, yeah. Right. I just can't even imagine it. You know, it, it leads me to another question now, kind of on what we're seeing in the MCU for Captain Marvel as opposed to what we would see for any of the male superheroes. And that's really the idea of sexism, um, mm-hmm. the reality of sexism. Uh, Captain Marvel does touch on. On that, for example, we see the one pilot who says, why do you think they call it a cockpit? And you see that <laughs> running through her mind. Yeah. Um, what other ways does the film point out sexism? And does it do so without making that the driving force for Carol? Oh, my goodness. Uh, There's so many. Like, she's asked to smile at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that felt so, like, ironically apt since oh, that right. was, like, a conversation that was being had online. Oh, on the internet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it Twitter? They were all like, oh, I wish you would smile more. Like, I think it, Twitter's the the garbage dump of those types of ideas. It's also fun, too, but yeah. I think it was probably there. But, but then it's just like, hey, all of you, you're one of these villains in this movie. Right. Just saying. <laughs> and I'm going to steal your bike. Yeah. Just steal that bike. Uh, also, I mean, they dealt with it in a in the social context of the setting itself, in that she wasn't allowed to actually be an Air Force fighter mm-hmm. pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, that was interesting to see, and I really like the behind the scenes that they actually spoke with service men and women specifically to get an understanding of, hey, what is it like? How how do we do this, uh, mm. etc. And, you know, they probably had a pretty good idea of what that was actually like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that they they dealt with it as just a running through line. You know, hey, why why avoid it when we could just confront it and actually Mm -hmm. have a conversation about it in the real world? Like, I think it felt very genuine, actually, to people's experiences. Yeah. And I feel like Fury always treated her like a person not you know just like a woman or something Mm -hmm. like that he referred to her as a soldier Mm -hmm. um he was always very curious about her so i I think that he was a nice counter to some of the things that we were seeing in that movie um and just even such a soft boy what was that (laughs) 
he was a soft boy. Like he he loved the cat. Like yeah. he was yes. caring. <laughs> he was compassionate. I deeply with fury. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then just even that um, kind of the trio of main characters is um, Carol and um, her partner Maria. Yeah. Um, and uh fury and he never you know is kind of saying all right i'm i'm the boy here i'm the leader or anything like that so just i I thought as i was reflecting on these answers he he was a nice counter to some of the negative elements where he respected them and followed her lead and i I just appreciated that he does slip when he calls maria i think he calls her a young lady or something (laughs) and she calls him out on it and i just thought I thought that was a, a fun moment because, you know, that happens um, even in real life, like, oops. Um, but what I what I liked about Carol is that sometimes in films uh, we'll see women um, facing these sort of obstacles and they become bitter and they become, um, you know, just angry about it and maybe not seeing men as anyone that they can collaborate with. Um, and it's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be that way. And I think what we see with Carol is that she doesn't use what has happened, people being overtly sexist to her. She doesn't use that as an obstacle, but a launch pad, mm. um, which, of course, I want to see launch pad McQuack. But um, <laughs> anytime I use that word, but no, she uses it as a launch pad to really um, motivate her to keep getting up and mm. to go yeah. you know, further, faster, higher. And um, I loved that about her, that she wasn't um, angry about it. And she wasn't even like, I'm going to prove myself to you. She knew her worth. And that was that. Like, she didn't need to prove anything to anyone. By the end. But in the beginning, yeah. she needed to prove something to oh, the yeah. supreme intelligence and to her, to her leader of Star Force, right? Right. So. I, yeah. I, I think that was really well done if we're we're calling out how much she has changed through the course mm-hmm. of the movie. Right. Yeah. And I think um, just her the scenes of her as a kid and in what I presume is boot camp, like all of those moments, mm-hmm. it was so powerful watching that and saying, you know, there are young girls watching this who are going to say, yeah, I tried to go faster and I crashed and I got made fun of and I got told I couldn't do it. I tried to reach to the next rope and I fell down. Um, but you know what? I got up. I rode again. I, I did this and she did that. And I just thought it was such a beautiful um, collection of moments in her life to then see that it all brought her to this place mm-hmm. of finally stepping into who she truly is. I always take both my kids and my husband. We oh. all go to Marvel movies, and both my kids loved it. So oh. my my son, who's seven, and my daughter, who's eleven, and they both really, really liked it. Mm. Well, I'm going to go to Carol's motto. So we know from the films, it's higher, faster, further, which is tweaking of the comics: higher, further, faster, more. Which I like that one better because more. But um, where do we see that motto play out in the film? And is that a good motto for a superhero? And actually, does that motto feel better, worse, or the same if it's applied to a male superhero? Let's hear from you, Justin. So many questions in there. I know. know. Um, (laughs) Higher, further, faster just was a super cool tagline to me. So I I just love it. I've had Mm -hmm. that like etched into my brain. So... um, I see that playing out from the very beginning where she goes earlier than anyone else to start training. Mm -hmm. And then Maria references that she's always been like that, Mm -hmm. getting up before dawn to go do the flights because, uh, like you were saying, there was something about that they couldn't do that as women in the regular situation. So just that she was having to push herself harder mm-hmm. um and deliver more and overperform and prove herself in different uh ways throughout her life um to ultimately come to a place where she could go higher further faster than everybody and then didn't need to prove it anymore yeah. like I, I that was just kind of a a cool journey and going back to when yeah her previous um mentor leader 
was kind of like, all right, now, you know, let's see if you can take me without the powers. And she just doesn't feel the need to prove that at all. Yeah. Um, and someone referenced that as like uh, Raiders of the, uh, the Lost Ark when he just shoots him, you know, instead mm-hmm. of doing the elaborate uh, fight with the sword and everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it felt like it applied well. And because she's striving to get back up she's striving to be a good person not just a striving for strength and power to domineer and press someone down but it's kind of like this higher further faster to help to Mm -hmm. support to empower Mm -hmm. um so i felt like in her uh in her reference in her point of view like all of that feels really good and then when it's like for a guy, I feel like for a male superhero, higher, further, faster might go more to that um, gaining power to be the best and like push other people down. Mm-hmm. So that's like my fear, my stereotypical fear with guys <laughs> that if they, you know, they say uh, power corrupts, uh, you know, unlimited power corrupts. Mm-hmm. Absolute power yeah. corrupts, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's what I fear from most other people so it's not necessarily even a male female thing but so for carol and the person that she is i love that she strives for that higher further faster yeah yeah what about you marie claire well it's really interesting i was like oh god what are other taglines do i know so i quickly googled um (laughs) you know like uh spider-man is you know with great power comes great responsibility or your friendly neighborhood spider-man you know Mm -hmm. those are kind of iconic i i think it fits because it is you know her tagline and all about her having to overcome sort of all the obstacles that have been in her way i i don't think it would be different if you put it with a guy or a male character i think um you know, as long as that superhero has kind of had the motivation to deserve it, I think yeah. it would be fine. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I'm going to agree with you. And so the two women are saying, oh, it'd be fine with the guy. And the one one man here is like, nope. Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I think you're seeing it more as like a um, competitive nature. Yeah. So I think, I think I'm with Marie Claire here in that I think I – as long as they are noble and self-sacrificial, that motto, that tagline can work for male or female. Um, the fact that it's used for Carol, I really loved it because it's not only showing what she did in her life as a career and um, now as Captain Marvel, but it's showing that she's going higher and further and faster than the expectations that were put on her. And so it, it plays kind of that dual role. And I think in that regard, it can't have been used to the same effectiveness for a male superhero mm-hmm. as it was, a- unless he were also facing some sort of obstacle. But I think um, her being a woman in a predominantly male field in the Air Force as a pilot, um, I think that works. And I think it works well for her. Yeah. All right, so now we are in our final question. Speaking of women and uh, superheroes, uh, let's start with you, Marie Claire. Do you think that Captain Marvel does a good job of carrying the weight of being the first female-driven film in the MCU? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, I also think that it's so funny because, like, you arrive at the theater early and, like, they do kind of the before, like, conversations and sometimes there's, like, you know, a special behind the scenes of the movie you're about to see and it's Kevin Feige talking about Captain Marvel and what she represents for the MCU and he's like she is leading the next phase of this mm-hmm. and I, I actually hadn't heard that before like just sitting in the theater and hearing that and so I kind of viewed the movie through that lens like she is probably replacing Captain Marvel who or sorry Captain America which we know Chris uh, Evans is retiring right from the mcu from the universe you know maybe the character is dying but certainly he's not going to be playing the character any longer um i think she's going to be an epic lead Mm. to the avengers to the universe to filling those big handsome shoes (laughs) (laughs) they are handsome aren't they (laughs) well his shoes you know yes he no he himself and he's done a really great job of being almost like in some ways on and off set the heart 
of mm. the MCU. Like, because yeah. he himself is such a genuine and nice person. And like many people are like, he is actually Captain America in real life, right? Yeah. Like, so I think that Brie Larson and Captain Marvel are really primed well to to step in and kick butt and be inspiring to a whole new generation of Marvel, you know, big screen fans. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Justin? Yeah. I, I think that um, this was a great movie and a great step in that direction of being um, a female driven film for the MCU. I think it'll be inevitably compared to Wonder Woman because mm -hmm. that was, you know, the other most recent female-driven um, film. And as a character, I feel like Wonder Woman is is so similar to Captain America, where it's just the wholesome, never does a, a wrong thing at all. And um, I think that that can be just a little hard for some people in our culture to relate to. And so mm. I love having... Captain Marvel be a slightly a, a, just a different character. She's got a little bit of an edge to her in her humor. Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, isn't as oblivious to technology and you know all of that. So I think that it's just a more direct um, emotional connection for a lot of people mm -hmm. in our culture, and I'm excited about that. And one of the early reaction tweets that I saw a long time ago or I mean not a long time ago a month ago or whatever was that the reporter really looked forward to the next generation of little girls growing up with Captain Marvel as someone that they can look up to yeah. and that just resonated so deeply with me so I, I think that this will just make the MCU better yeah you know I I am looking forward to seeing her lead this next phase I'm excited about that what that about what that means for who we're going to see coming in as new heroes, new villains. Uh, my mind's already like spinning. I'm like, oh, might we, might we see so-and-so? Um, I think that that um, Wonder Woman was such a hugely successful film and so widely, um, well, maybe not widely, but those who like geek films, they, they loved it and they were coming out feeling like, you know, as a woman, I, I can, I can fight too. Like I feel so empowered. And what I felt watching Captain Marvel, you know, halfway through the movie, I was like, uh Oh, I think I like this more. And I think it's because <laughs> of her. I mean, and I think they're both great, but I, I think because she has that, that wit and that, um, kind of almost like a, she's not a scoundrel like Han Solo, but it's that smirk and that playfulness that she has um, that I really liked. And I think, again, like touching on what you said about being relatable, I feel like that is more relatable than someone who is untouchable and who is really not from Earth anyway. But but yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like so many people were waiting for the first female-driven uh, film in the MCU, and we got it, and it was good, and I'm so happy. I really it. liked it more than Wonder Woman too. Yeah, and I liked both. I just think that there was something very human about mm -hmm. Carol, and yeah. uh, Diana has always felt godlike to me, and yeah. like kind of other, mm -hmm. uh, otherworldly in some ways. And um, connection and resonance is really important, I think, in your superheroes that you can feel like you can see yourself in them. Yeah, absolutely. Well. That about does it for us. Um, we are going to be tackling another question in our aftercast and where we think Captain Marvel will play out in the endgame and what we think her role will be. Um, all right. Well, that about does it for our questions. Um, but before we go, Marie Claire, I would love for you to tell people how they can find you. Sure. So I run a podcast called What the Force, which is all about the force the fans of star wars and i consider it a very meta podcast <laughs> and actually one thing that i have written and uh, produced is a audio drama all about star wars fandom called fangirls and that's going to be out later on in march march 28th to general mm. audiences 
Wonderful. I want to check that out. I know you had some really cool stuff on your website, too. You also have something, an episode on uh, myth-making in Star Wars. Like, that's just such a fun topic to dive into. So Yeah. People have to check you out. What the Force whattheforce.ca or on Twitter at WT4Show. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That's it for today's show. Special thanks to Marie Claire from the What the Force podcast for joining us. This was only episode five of our special MCU series leading up to next week's main event, the Avengers Endgame reaction video. If you want to see that video live, you can find it at our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thestorygeeks. Last week, we had a nerd fight for the best MCU film, and there is plenty more MCU content over at thestorygeeks.com. You'll also want to check out the blogs from Ashley and Anthony. And if you head over right now and become a supporter of The Story Geeks for only $2 a month or more, you'll unlock access to this week's Aftercast, where we discuss the role of Captain Marvel and Flurkins in Phase 4 of the MCU. If you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcast, please share our show with a geek friend or review the Story Geeks podcast on iTunes. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. Special thanks to some of the folks who make this show happen. First of all, Thanks to Jeffrey Jones, who actually, if you've been over to our YouTube channel, which you should definitely check out, we're going to be over there live next week recording our end game reaction on Sunday night. So be sure to check that out. But if you do, you might check out Jeffrey Jones animation for our YouTube channel, which was awesome. And we're so glad we worked with Jeffrey Jones. If you like the animation that he does, head over to JeffreyJosephJones.com and check out his cool animation and hire him if you can. He is definitely a fantastic animator also of course always special thanks to these amazing people who help us produce the story geeks podcast by supporting us on patreon anthony holder adam vargas brianna bryce cox connie mo jessica pritchett jim and mary baldwin joshua beckham jeremy and kimberly lujo nick prokop Monty Thigpen, Ray DeLeon, Samuel Pelokin, and Wade Johnson. To gain access to our aftercast and unlock more Patreon rewards, or just to support the show, please head over to thestorygeeks.com for more information.